0: Personally. He's definitely the one I would date. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Josh Thomas, because I've married. the You I'm married one. Josh Thomas. Yep. Michael Watson. <laughs> Welcome to Psycho Cinematic, a podcast where we analyze depictions of mental illness and disability in popular films and TV. I'm your host, Stephanie Fornasia. If you love our podcast and want to give us some support, make sure you're following Psycho Cinematic Podcast on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter and check out our website, psychocinematicpodcast.com. For access to special bonus content, episodes, early access, stickers, and contribute to our regular fundraisers, join our Patreon. Starting from $3.50 a month, you can be the coolest psychocinematic listener there is. Please note that this episode contains discussions of suicide and self-harm. If this episode brings up anything for you, Lifeline is available on one or the Suicide Callback Service on 1300 659 467. But feel free to skip this one if you prefer. I'd like to start by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this podcast on today. I would also like to pay respect to the Elders past, present, and extend this respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people from other communities who may be listening today. I'd like to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and that we are living on stolen land and welcome back to the podcast dr elise mclashen how are you today i'm very well steph thank you how are you i'm I'm good i'm good i'm happy to be back in the podcast studio as am i as am i and happy that it's a sunny day
1: it is a beautiful day today actually but also not too hot which i appreciate yes don't cope well with the heat
0: no before we get into what we're going to cover today what have you been watching lately well i have been
1: or i have (laughs) concluded watching in a few number of days that i won't admit the split
0: Yes, you talked about this with me multiple, multiple times yes. over a series of texts and conversations. <laughs> yes.
1: So I originally got the recommendation from Shameless podcast. Actually, oh, yeah. they, they've spoken about it a couple of times recently, and I finally got around to starting it and then finished it very rapidly. For those of you who are not familiar, it's like a it's a BBC drama, and I would almost put it. Like, I think the way it was sold to me was that it's sort of like a BBC crime drama, like the, you know, the likes of Broadchurch and that sort of thing. But it's not really about crime. It's about a family of lawyers and all of the interpersonal conflicts and professional conflicts that arise in that scenario, mm. which I feel like doesn't necessarily sound that good, except that I just eat up any BBC <laughs> crime drama. So even if it's like adjacent, I'm, like, I'm in. And I was very much in and it is amazing
0: amazing i did start watching it last night because i actually had time to watch something and i got hooked in very quickly and i remember one thing that you said was that there's so much acting without words like just looks Mm. and like you nailed that like even thanks i think like one of the very early on like fifth scenes or something there was like a whole scene where no words were spoken but mm-hmm. you knew exactly what was going on exactly and it's not like weird it's not like oh they, they just don't talk
1: to each other ever but everything just feels so authentic and sincere and so it's just you know the way that people actually communicate which oftentimes is with their body language or their face or even just the setup of a scene can make you feel so many things and it's just oh top tier.
0: Really good acting.
1: And mm. you, you hyped it up for me, but you, you delivered. No, I'm, I was not afraid to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that you hyped up for me that delivered is the podcast Normal Gossip. Yes. So Tell the audience about that one.
1: Well, that one I came across, I literally had a TikTok come up and it was like the host of the podcast had stitched somebody's like gossip story or something. And she was like, just just FYI, like if you like this kind of thing, I have a whole podcast that's the whole point of it is just to like gossip tell gossip stories and I was like oh yeah okay I'm in (laughs) and it's essentially like (laughs) the point of that was the TikTok was not that (laughs) (laughs) should not have been that convincing but I'm very glad that I listened to it so the podcast is essentially like uh you know audience members or like friends of friends will write in with their stories from their life of like real gossip stories not generally anything that involves anyone getting hurt or anything particularly terrible happening to anyone but just like really wild out there stories that are the sort of thing that if you have one of those in your friend group you just tell everyone anytime something related (laughs) to it comes up and so it's just like crowdsourced versions of that from strangers and it is so good
0: but it's told extremely well like they're really good storytellers which is sometimes hard to find yes indeed Um, like
1: the the host will have a co-host on every week and essentially the format is that she tells them the story and so and they comment and they comment and say what they would do at different points and so you really like feel the story develop and unravel with them and i think that's what makes it so engaging
0: yeah and i listen to i'm assuming there's more than one of this like a with five or six stories that people had actually spoken and sent in Mm -hmm. and then they sort of pause and go okay hang on (laughs) yes like (laughs) the way that they do that is very funny as well yes yeah, just very
1: very funny good
0: recommend and and yeah something a bit lighter Mm. but also like you know themes come up that you sort of think about as well like they're they seem like very at us kind of people. Agreed, yeah. agreed. Good,
1: good, solid discussions of human behaviour and choices yeah. and that sort of thing, but
0: in a very light-hearted way. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Thank you for that, Reco. No worries. What are we doing
1: today, Elise? Today um, we're going to be talking about the series Please Like Me um which was created by josh thomas um Mm -hmm. so it aired between 2013 and 2017 so it was originally an abc show and then i think it got picked up by an australia netflix in the us some other network rescued it for the final season something like that not sure not Mm. important really no we don't care yes (laughs) (laughs) um and the reason we're covering this is because steph asked me i
0: feel like you mentioned it a while back like you've you've got to cover this one and also everything will be okay which is very much um centered around one of the characters and actresses who has autism yeah and i think we should cover that eventually but i've watched this show years ago Mm -hmm. and i think you even convinced me to watch it possibly possibly you you do convince me to watch (laughs) this i love but i originally was really standoffish of even engaging in much of josh thomas's content Mm. because audience members out there who have not met michael Josh Thomas looks a bit like Michael and reminds me of Michael, <laughs> who is he's co-host slash vibe. husband. Yep. And, I don't know, there was just a cut. The cut of Josh Thomas's jib was sometimes I didn't love. Um, I think it's a common feeling, though. Yeah, lots of people don't like Josh he's, Thomas. He's quite, like, a reason. divisive person,
1: like, despite not really doing anything controversial. Any no, any just being people, a bit annoying. But, yeah, he's just a... He's, just tends to be a, a person that some people just don't really vibe with. Yeah. As is Michael. Just kidding, Michael. <laughs> oh, Everyone loves <laughs> you.
0: Yes. Um, but,
1: yeah, no, you, you are right, Steph. I tell a lie. This was my suggestion, actually. <laughs> I just had forgotten because it was a while ago. But I think it is an exceptional exceptional one to cover. It's one of it my is. probably top five shows of all time of any theme, Has um, his Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yes. So you're really working through the list there. Really? Yeah. So I don't actually remember when I first – watched the show I think it was quite early like around when it came out I can mm. remember watching the first couple of seasons in particular like on ABC on ABC's website which oh yeah
0: because wasn't it on ABC 2 to begin with and then yes. they moved it yes to I one. think so because they so. thought oh this is actually good actually doing all right. yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so I watched it um like kind of as it was airing mm. um in the earlier days and I think mm even then, when I probably didn't engage with media in quite the same way that I do now in the way that I think about representations and, and things like that, I just, I loved it. I was yeah. obsessed with the show and then I think I like lost track of where it was at for a little bit, maybe in the in-between where it got dropped and picked up by someone else yeah. um, and then came back to it at the end but it is one of my very, very favourite shows. Yeah,
0: I think I only started watching it when season four had come out and, yeah. and come and gone and yeah I very quickly realised this is actually a fucking great show, and Josh Thomas is maybe a little bit of a genius. I think
1: so. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, for all who find <laughs> him
0: irritating, I've never had that problem with him
1: personally. I've yeah. always found him very funny and enjoyed his comedy. Oh, he's comedy definitely very funny, and yeah. yeah, but like his demeanor and everything like just doesn't doesn't bother me. I like the funny mm. accent. It's all,
0: it's all good. It's, it's all, all good with me.
1: I liked everything he's ever done. Well, I don't want <laughs> everything
0: he's done that I've <laughs> that seen that we've seen that you know, as far as we know, it was all appropriate and above board. Yes. <laughs> well, I might go through the plot, which is actually quite quick in terms of plots on this podcast because I didn't want to go too deep because we will be here all day and night. Indeed. Um, and it's really quite straightforward. The concept of the show, I reckon, it's all about navigating. Basically, a call. it's it's a pirate movie of show. <laughs> um, so essentially, 20-something Josh gets dumped by his girlfriend, Claire, and then comes to the realisation, also in part thanks to Claire, that he is gay. He starts to navigate his new sexuality. Surrounding Josh is his mum, Rose, who has bipolar disorder and who attempts suicide a number of times throughout the show and is in and out of the psych ward throughout the seasons as well. We also see her navigating her mental illness, friendships and relationships throughout it. Josh also tries to do his best to support his mum, even moving in with her while she's on suicide watch, while also trying to live life as a newly out gay man. Josh's dad, Alan, is navigating his newer relationship with May, as well as new fatherhood, and trying to be a supportive ex-partner to Rose and dad to Josh. Then there's the relationships occurring with his ex and best friend, feminist Claire, and best friend and housemate, Tom, who is also Josh's best friend in real life. Fun fact. Yes. Who have a bit of a fling before Claire goes to Europe. And Tom finds a long-time love with the similarly insecure but funny Ella. I really love Ella. I love She's Ella too. I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> I love Claire too, though. Yeah. yeah. the Ella's probably Ella's a better person. <laughs> Ella's much better person yeah. than Claire. But anyway, throughout the show, we explore Josh's relationships. His first gay experience, dating the very pretty Jeffrey. <laughs> then crushing on housemate Patrick, who I actually think is hotter than Geoffrey personally, but anyway. Agreed. And attempting an open relationship with Arnold, who he himself has an anxiety disorder. Well, there is a lot of growth and progress in Josh's life, including, with help from his dad, setting up a successful coffee stand in a nondescript Melbourne Riverside Park. I'm mm-hmm. thinking it's maybe Port Melbourne or Southbank. I think it's South like Bank. the top of South Yarra. It's, yeah. along, it's along the Yarra. Like oh, right. Along, that's a, that's yeah. an area I haven't explored very yeah, much. Yeah, no. So it's definitely along the Yarra, like Yarra Boulevard area, I think. Right. Okay. this is why we we get a true melbourneite on this podcast (laughs) for this episode for slightly more accurate vague (laughs) geographical information i can pinpoint bits in like northcote in the show but nowhere else but it could be any street sometimes in melbourne things don't all pan out for the best on the show as josh's mum sadly does take her own life leaving her house to josh who manages to buy his own apartment the show ends with josh and tom who has been dumped by Ella, eating pasta together, expressing empathy for both of their lives, but knowing that they will be okay. And as the show theme song goes, they'll be fine. Great. (laughs) Fabulous summary, Steph. Thank you. I only took a little bit from Wikipedia because there was very little on there. (laughs) I'm just going to interrupt this episode to bring you my first proper advertisement in this podcast. And if you know me, you know that it better be a good brand for me to be willing to back it. We can't all have incredibly gorgeous skin like Caitlin Stacy, who plays Claire and please Like Me, but what we can do is access incredible skincare that also meets our values by being sustainable, ethically and culturally respectfully sourced, and based in science, with a dash of herbal medicine through Ayurveda. Based in Silicon Valley and led by scientist, Dr. Bav Paldus, Codex Beauty Labs is committed to creating the highest standard in sustainable skincare and biotech plant-based alternatives The products address key skincare concerns and conditions, including eczema, psoriasis, sensitive, dry, and inflamed skin. The brand has been heralded by dermatologists for creating effective, clinically proven skincare that brings a new data driven and transparent approach to beauty. Codex Beauty Labs is also dedicated to protecting biodiversity to ensure it flourishes for future generations. All products contain sustainably sourced ingredients from the forests of Patagonia to the bogs of Ireland. They're packaged in plant-based polyethylene tubes and work to reduce carbon footprint. The products are sold around the world in over 15 countries and territories, including right here in Australia. You know I like to bang on about mental health and self-care, and one of my favourite self-care activities is some grooming. Run a bath, pop on a silly TV show or podcast, pour a wine, and treat my skin to some nourishing. Join me in this self-care ritual by checking out Codex Labs' latest, Shant, a collection of four products that address oily and acne-prone skin, which is perfect for my skin type. Shant, meaning peace and calm in Hindi, blends the best of Ayurvedic knowledge with plants-down-cell biotechnology. Try the moisturizer, which refines skin texture and evens out skin tone. The Balancing Foam Cleanser, which controls oiliness by cleansing without stripping moisture. And try the Shant Refining Toner, which hydrates while reducing reddening, exfoliating, calm and purifying, and minimizing pores. The Shant Balancing Clay Mask builds on the others and improves uneven skin tone and helps brighten. And the Shant Balancing Oil Control Cream refines skin texture and tone, and calms and protects against environmental stresses. If that's not enough for you and you want to try some ingestibles, why not try Shant Clear Skin Probiotic Supplement? which supports both a healthy gut and skin microbiome, as well as help manage acne inflammation. And lastly, Shant Skin Distress, which is a daily powder formulated to balance anti-inflammatory, plant-based activities with metabolism and hormone-supporting dietary supplements to soothe blemish-prone skin. Order one of the Shan products from Codex Labs today and use the code Psychocinematic Twenty to get twenty percent off your order. Go to codexlabs.com.au and that code again, Psychocinematic Twenty. And now back to the episode.
1: So Josh Thomas, who um, plays Josh on the show, um, his own mum, as as does his mum in the show mm. has been diagnosed with depression, so has experienced depression and suicidal ideation as well um, and has also had a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Yeah. So he has, has actually spoken quite openly about how he, he does draw on themes from his own life and his mm. own mum's experiences in his portrayal of Rose, his mum in the show.
0: Yeah, I think um, his experiences of supporting his mum through those times has sort of led to him creating this storyline. So very much lifted completely from his life. Completely. Obviously not everything that happened to Rose happened to his mum, but he, he also mentions, I will probably say this again, that he didn't want it to look attractive suicide or mental illness mm-hmm. he wanted to tell it very honestly how it is yeah so he very much yeah. you know took that from his real experience yeah and i think
1: um so we'll talk a little bit about i guess josh's own experience with mental health in a second but even though you know he's writing these characters you know he's writing about his mom in the show with bipolar disorder he has not himself experienced that disorder mm. but given that the show is really centered around his experience as her son and how he relates to her and her condition. He's the main character. I think he is very much drawing on some very real experiences and, and transplanting from his life
0: almost. And I think the relationship between Rose and him on the show seems very real the relationship I imagine Josh has with his real mum as well. Absolutely. Like they, they have a really good connection there mm. and very real sort of interactions between the two of them, especially in the hiking scene. Yeah. I really love that, that episode. That episode is beautiful. And uh, I think it's really great that even the things he didn't know that much about, he did a lot of research and a lot of consulting with lots of different organisations for Yes, it's very Yes, yeah.
1: it's very clear that he wanted to be very careful um, mm. when approaching these topics. And even though he has this, you know, personally, experience he didn't want to just go in and, and assume a bunch of knowledge about other you know peripheral things he wanted to make sure it was very accurate and also very i suppose not harmful <laughs> like, mm. i don't know whether he went into it intending for it to be helpful I can imagine it um, <laughs> didn't intend it to be harmful I'm sure, <laughs> no I'm no no he certainly went above and beyond to avoid any sort of like harmful content or scenes um, mm. for the community he was definitely very careful about
0: that and i guess in terms of josh himself the show is really about the difficulty of trying to fit in and wanting people to like you and really yeah. just being quite earnest and being like, just please like me because he's, I think there's a quote there. He says, like, I get up every day and I just don't want to harm anybody today yeah. <laughs> like, because in terms of his own experience, he's been diagnosed with ADHD at 28, mm-hmm. so quite late in the game for an ADHD diagnosis. And then while making his second series, Everything's Going to Be Okay, which was through Stan... I think was there a u.s channel oh you're primarily? right yeah yeah mm. it is on Stan. yes <laughs> um because there was a big focus on autism on the show mm. he had lots of consultants and psychiatrists to make sure he had a really good representation of autism on there and then by the end of it, he's like i think i have autism <laughs> talk to us like you know went through a big process of diagnosis and there's a really good article that i'll link to where mm. he talks about it and then he came out with that autism diagnosis. And I feel like watching this show, in mm. hindsight, mm. mm. you see you see signs. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Like, it almost, like he has said himself, that looking back at the show, he can see so much evidence of, of that undiagnosed condition mm. in himself. And in his words, as far as a show about an undiagnosed autistic person goes, it's mint. And <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> I would totally agree. Um, it's definitely him navigating those, like, challenges or differences in himself without really having the skills or the support to, to do so yeah. um, and,
0: the, and the things that that yeah. results in with his relationships. And just trying to sort of muddle through adult life and mm. his friends are in similar boats to him for various different reasons Yeah, but yeah looking back on it a lot of people could relate to Josh's struggle with trying to fit in and mm-hmm. know what to do as an adult and You know, a lot of these things happen to him and how to manage and deal with all of those things. And I guess a big narrative with that is coming out as gay and exploring that new life as as a gay person, Mm. which I think, you know, not having the experience of being a gay person, a lot of people related to as well. Yeah. And he said that, you know, the gay person was based on me, so I didn't have to justify anything, i just do my thing. Yeah. (laughs) No one could challenge him because it was him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So which made it really honest, I think. Absolutely. I'll talk a little bit about the other characters. There's some there's not much on, some there's, there's heaps. Thomas Ward is, as we said, Josh's in real life best friend. Mm-hmm. He's actually not an actor um, and they try to audition people to play Thomas on the show and in <laughs> the end they're like, nah, it just needs to be you. But he's a bit of a comedian and I've started following him on Instagram, he's very funny. Yes. <laughs> I yes. find him very, very funny. And the most hilarious thing, hilarious that I didn't know this until like yesterday, is that he's been in a relationship with the actress who plays Ella, Mm. Emily Barclay, for like years now
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and they have two kitties together and they're very cute they are so <laughs> cute yes
1: I have known that for a very long time and it really soothed me because their breakup at the end of the show is it's so, sad. It's so sad like it's such a real a real breakup like there's yeah. no there's no big thing that happens no one cheats on anyone not that those things can be real as well but it's just like a very real you're in your 20s you've just grown and yeah whoops uh, I didn't want this anymore yeah. Um, yeah which happens to a lot of couples it's also very real. Realistic. It happens a lot. Mm. And because you love them so much as a couple, it's so heartbreaking. Mm. And so I was so soothed to learn that they're
0: actually together in real life. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that based on experience. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's really sweet that they're together. So if you need some wholesome content to follow, definitely follow them. Yes. But that's all I really had on Thomas because he's yeah. really the secondary you know, character. Yeah, not a lot secondary of um, character. Lived experience to talk about there, but he also doesn't have any diagnoses in the show. No, no, exactly. He's just a bit of a drifter, isn't yeah, he? he? doesn't he's, really He's just
1: what... a regular 20 something year old man. And sometimes a bit of a dick. Which is a
0: regular 27 year, year old man. <laughs> Still growing. Yeah. Uh, Deborah Lawrence, who plays his mum, who's beautiful. Beautiful. I didn't know that she plays Pippa in Home and Away. I was a Neighbours person, ah. so I have
1: no idea who that is. But <laughs> well, I'll I was trust banned that from it's both shocking. of them.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but I did, when I was younger and went to people's houses, we would watch Home and Away, mm-hmm. and it was like grade two or grade three, mm-hmm. and it would have been when Pippa was on. Not so that. go Pippa. <laughs> well, I have no idea who that was, but I'm sure she was iconic. She was like a foster mum. She was like one of the oh. most loved characters on oh, the show. Okay. Kate nice. Ritchie what was her name Samantha I can't help you here (laughs) (laughs) she gets married and she came back to her wedding like it was all very iconic but having said that not a home and away stand like this is just a sure very small part of my life. Okay. I didn't hear much about her sort of personal mental health issues. Did you find much about that? No, not particularly. I know that she now teaches women in workplaces communication skills and yeah. it's called Are You Being Heard? So it's teaching women to try and get their voice heard in male-dominated workforces, which I really appreciate. That is beautiful. Even though, you know, we yeah. actually need men to shut up. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I did
1: read about her is that I think that she did very much – I mean, she was very aware that she was playing lots lots of aspects of Josh's real mum. Mm-hmm. And she did do quite a lot of work to try and make sure that her portrayal was accurate, mm-hmm. not to Josh's mum necessarily, but for, for the diagnosis and for mm-hmm. the things that Rose is going through. And so I liked, you know, she's – she said on the matter that, you know, Josh was keen to point out that my character was not entirely his mum. There were certainly some ingredients from Josh's real life and he's kept some of those, but we've made a completely different cake.
0: I like how it's cake. I know, me too. <laughs> it's very food-driven, The show cake well. re- <laughs> It is,
1: it is, if, yeah, a fun fact that every episode is named after a particular, like, food or meal that they yeah. make in the episode. Which I love as well. It's so, it's so wholesome and, like, that sounds kind of cheesy and silly, but it's not like the episode is always around baking. It's just no. like, it'll be at some point it comes up in the episode. Like one
0: of them's like crappy sandwiches. Exactly.
1: exactly. <laughs> it's
0: just the food that is present somewhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did also read that she like looked a lot into medication and how that impacts you yes. and like oh, what little... Some of the little side effects that she mm. might be ex- experiencing when she goes on things like lithium, yeah, um, like little lip trembles and stuff yep. like that. So she's definitely a very conscious actress, yes, definitely. And I
1: think she just does a really lovely job. She does. Really. She's just a really like likable and
0: authentic character. Mm. She doesn't overact. No. There's a few moments I was like, especially in the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't know how good the acting is, and then she, I know, it just she becomes really came more into authentic. It. Yeah. yeah.
1: Agreed. Uh, Caitlin Stacey, who plays Claire, so Mm. Josh's recent ex-girlfriend at the start of the series, come best friend, which is a beautiful relationship. Very good, yes. To watch. I really like it. She, again, doesn't really have any specific mental health diagnoses in the show, but she does have some experiences that are explored. So she has an abortion during the course of the show Mm -hmm. and she has herself had an abortion before and has spoken about that. She's a huge feminist Icon in my opinion. Yes, don't know if that's a. It's probably a bit of a bold call, but I love her. I think she's just she's a very vocal advocate
0: for women's rights and yes, equality and that sort of thing. So I didn't know anything about her until I was researching for this, and I was like, oh bitch, you are amazing. She, she <laughs> is amazing. I've I've always been obsessed with her. Yeah, <laughs> I also nice. just think she is so beautiful she is gorgeous <laughs> she, i don't think she realizes how gorgeous no. she is because when i first saw her i thought she was one of those australian next top model mm. models yeah that yeah, then yeah, went into acting i can absolutely no, see that. but she's no. not so she's, <laughs> she's just very good, great actor. Very pretty. i did read that she when she was there was a big article that was with her talking about her activism and how she refused to um, she was going to do a column somewhere and they wanted her – it was about – she's developed a website called Herself, which is mm. all about females being uh, in charge of their bodies. Mm. And for this, they, there was, like, an editorial and they wanted her to pose in, like, sexy lingerie okay. for it. And she refused, so they, like, scrapped her from it. And she's like, do you not understand the whole purpose of mm. what we're talking about here and you want to, like, ex- you know – Objectify me. Objectify my body. Like, hello – so i love her and also she did mention in the same article that i was reading that she did self-harm as a child no other context around that but i think she does you know have some of those experiences of mental illness that makes her well, you know not not explicit but that makes her sort of understand mm. the themes on the show so she was absolutely. a good addition absolutely hannah gadsby oh who we saw recently yeah, just a
1: couple of weeks ago yeah
0: and so it was funny watching this show, like re-watching it, and then mm. going to see her. I was like, I feel like I've spent all week with you. Literally. <laughs> She's great. She also has spoken about her experience with depression,
1: um, anxiety, and also relatively recently, I think in the last couple of years, mm. um, was diagnosed as autistic.
0: Yes. I think it came out of when she became absolutely worldwide phen- yep. phenomenon yep. after her Nanette Netflix special. Netflix special, which became huge when she – Throughout that, she discovered, she learned that she was autistic. And Mm -hmm. then Douglas was the next special, which kind of explores that. Yeah. Yeah. which I was lucky enough to
1: see in the in the flesh. Amazing, cool. mm. amazing. Um, but Hannah's uh, character in the show, also called Hannah, it's really nice of them to primarily name the characters <laughs> after the actor. It makes it a lot easier to follow. I'm usually getting very confused. <laughs> I don't think we ever get a specific diagnosis necessarily for her, but it's very clear that she struggles with depression. Yes. Possibly also anxiety. Unsure if there's anything else going on there in terms of diagnosis, um, but she does also... Um, self-harm in the show yes yes she does
0: and in real life like hannah has spoken about having breakdowns and that is something she mentions that happens to her in the show that leads her to going into the psych ward so very much true to life yeah she's also spoken a lot in her stand-up about um Mm. trying to fit in and growing up gay in the in a country town of tasmania where everyone's very sort of old school Mm. Um, so that themes of fitting in which is very much about the show is very much in her life as well. Absolutely, just to ruin
1: that pattern of people being named <laughs> after after the God after the playing it. them. Keegan Joyce, who plays Arnold, um, so one of the long term boyfriends that Josh has during the show, um, in the in the show um, has a. Some sort of anxiety diagnosis. Yeah. I don't think we specify no. possibly generalised anxiety disorder. Yeah, or maybe um, just panic disorder. Pa- also probably, probably a few. panic disorder. <laughs> maybe a few different things, but certainly struggles with anxiety a lot. Couldn't find anything for lived experience with him specifically. He actually said that it was quite eye-opening working mm. on the show because he hadn't really come across, I suppose, or hadn't had much experience in his life with mm. mental illness
0: before. And um, I found out he's not gay either. Oh. Yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah, so no so very little, little experience. Ex- of experience. Just, Being gay, either. Just a
0: pretty face. Oh, there you go. He does a good job, though. I think he's the prettiest of the boys. <laughs> he's definitely the one I would date. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well <then>, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Apart from Josh Thomas, because I've married the equivalent. you married Josh
1: Thomas, young yeah. Michael Watson. <laughs> um, but despite that, he did do lots of research and and made tried to make sure he was really prepared to take on the role. Mm. Um, and I do think it is. A a pretty good portrayal given given that he he doesn't have that personal experience and and he has said that he does get lots of comments from people after watching the show saying that they can really relate to arnold's struggles and that it's been good to see him sort of grow and change across the seasons Mm. how he's dealing with his approach to his anxiety disorder and attempting to kind of overcome that yeah and that sort of thing So that's positive yeah despite
0: not having a lived experience. David Roberts plays Josh's dad and I just included him because I thought he would have there would be something about him but all I learnt is that he's in the Matrix sequel. So but good on him. I didn't know that. But yeah. there you I go. I mean who remembers the it was Matrix Reloaded and The Revolutions yeah. like I, no one remembers those. Yeah. I Think um, the most
1: relevant lived experience we could probably find for him is whether he has kids because yes, he is an iconic I, awkward
0: Australian dad. And like who Oh. I cannot relate to that. He's
1: so, <laughs> he's so funny.
0: He's, he's so funny. He's my dad to a T. Like <laughs> some of the things he's done, my dad has done. It's yeah. like holy shit, <laughs> uncanny. Um, and then Renee
1: Lim, so who plays May? Right? Yes. <laughs> cool. Very confusing with not being called Renee. But that's that's Um, Renee <laughs> Lim, so um, David's new wife, mm-hmm. May, doesn't appear to have any sort of lived experience. I reckon I could diagnose her
0: though as an overachiever. <laughs> Yes, I think that would be fair. I because think that would be fair. She's an actress, a dancer, a presenter. I don't know what that means, and a medical doctor. Ridiculous. And she went uh, according to something I read. When she was like graduating high school, she was like, "I'm going to be a doctor on weekdays, a lawyer on weekends, an actor on the holidays, and a dancer at night." And she's essentially achieved that. That is what, well, apart from the lawyer, which is like, well, there's no enough hours in the day. Exhausting. <laughs> so exhausting and I she's brilliant understand. she's yes. brilliant
1: in the show she's one of probably in my opinion the most likable characters yeah i love her like she's the least like there's a couple of things where she messes up a little bit um mm. but for the most part i just find her so funny and so
0: sincere yes. and just like lovable i mean, that's a lot there's a lot of actors on the show so i think we'll leave it there Let's talk about accuracy. Yep. So I guess in, in general, there's a lot shown on depression yep. in general. There's yep. quite a few of the characters that experience it, specifically Josh's mum, but mainly in terms of bipolar disorder. How I guess in terms of that general depiction of depression, how do you think it went in terms of portraying it? I mean, I think
1: it's a very good portrayal. Like, it, Spoiler alert, I, I think that pretty much everything covered in this show is done extremely well and it connects with me very deeply mm. I think the depression one is, is difficult but I I think they've done a really good job of showing the different ways that depression can manifest mm-hmm. so we see it like you said um, with Rose Josh's mom experiencing depressive episodes we also see it in Hannah
0: um, mm-hmm. particularly
1: when she's in the institution
0: um, she's more that sort of at times more that catatonic depression exactly exactly Rose is more more open to talking about her depression yeah. yeah yeah it feels like Rose very much has
1: those experiences of like negative thoughts or cognitive biases. She's mm. worried that everyone's being mean to her or that, you know, people are out to get her and she's annoyed by everyone and it's sort of Yeah, irritability everything, yeah, Very as well. irritable, mm. everything is too much and mm. she's very open and loud about that. Whereas for Hannah, like you said, she's much more sort of melancholic, withdrawn. Mm. Definitely self-focused hatred, you know, the, some of those negative
0: biases Absolutely. towards herself as well. But
1: much more, yeah, just inward direction, yes. whereas I feel like Rose expresses that a lot more and yeah, it's kind of directed outward 100%. exactly um and so i think that's really great like that it shows you know two very different really on their face value manifestations of this very you know of, the, of this one condition because that is accurate yes you know yes, it is 100%. experienced in many different ways
0: mm. and it's even the little things like the fact that when hannah and rose are living together like the washing piles up yep. the house becomes an absolute pigsty yes. they don't have showers that often and yep. stuff like that like those little Details oh, yeah. of how depression can affect. Absolutely, yeah. And absolutely. I think it's seeing that you know the fact that I think Hannah ends up moving out. Mm. How two depressed people in a house, even though sometimes it's really positive, mm. can actually mm. bring each other down. It can be that sort of household of that vibe, absolutely that depressive vibe. Like when they first move in together, it feels like a really good, hopeful
1: idea. Mm. Like this is this is great they can kind of look after each other and keep each other on track and that yeah. sort of thing and in some ways it is good to have that other person who has similar struggles and mm. then is trying to deal with similar things but at the same time if you both get into a really bad place at the same time that can have kind yeah. of negative consequences for both your general living situation and also your relationship
0: with each yeah, other yeah exactly yeah so that decision to separate was was a positive one for their it was. friendship yeah I I did want to note on that
1: one um, that, yeah, when they do separate and and they're not breaking up really, but kind of, um, (laughs) when Hannah moves out um, and and Rose is sort of yelling at Josh about it, that she's so upset that Hannah's left Mm. um, and she yells at him, I didn't want her to leave, I wanted her to change.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And I just feel like that that (laughs) –
1: That could summarise, summarise like 60% of my therapy session.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted them to be a different person. I don't want to break up. I just want them to do this, 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 this yeah. differently. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, typically, not even necessarily talking about a breakup, just any interpersonal yes. conflict. Yes, you 100%. Know.
0: I just want them to change. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I, like, I really like that line. Yeah, me too. <laughs> In terms of bipolar disorder on the mm. show... From my understanding, I feel like it was a pretty nuanced portrayal. You know, we do see a very manic experience that mm-hmm. Rose goes through at the beginning of season two, I think, where she mm-hmm. they end up admitting her to the psych ward. Yeah. It's manic, but it's not what we sometimes see in shows where it's like, extreme behavior mm. she you know goes and gets her hair dyed red which mm-hmm, is actually mm-hmm. pippa's hair was red so it's probably more natural yeah. um, <laughs> and and also by the way the hairdresser is M. Ruchiano. that's so cute how cool is that that's like pause, like yes Hang that's guys. her <laughs> <laughs> you know she stops taking her medication because she's feeling happier it's which is a mm-hmm, very common mm-hmm. thing that people with in that manic steak do because like, I'm feeling happy so i throw oh, my meds away it. and then it gets worse. Yeah, She's sort of got that agitated motor effects. She's moving constantly, talking constantly. She's got these grand plans but they're not ridiculous grand plans.
1: No, no. She's just suddenly very motivated, very mm. oriented towards sort of goal-directed behaviour. Yes. She's, you know... Showing up unexpectedly places because she's got to announce everything. She's got to tell everyone yeah. her plans she, right away. It's she wants all very... everyone
0: to focus on her, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is probably the more common yeah. garden variety mania that people experience. Absolutely. Rather than when you see big dramatic portrayals on movies and Absolutely. things like that. Yeah, So I really liked that. Mm. And then you see the depression that follows looking quite debilitating. Um, we've already sort of talked about it, but, you know, that it's not an extreme swing. We really only see one manic episode from her on the actual show.
1: I think there's probably a couple of other instances maybe of hypermania. Yeah. There's yeah. other periods oh. where certainly I think one of the things that gets really, really right is that sometimes when people think about mania, you know, we think about either very elevated mood or that agitation and yes. The irritation. Yes, yes. And I think sometimes it's hard to sort of imagine if you don't have that experience yourself, how are those things two sides of the same coin? Like yeah. how are we talking about agitation? Surely that's depression. Yeah. And I think we do actually see some hypomanic episodes where she's experiencing increased agitation yes, in the show. Okay.
0: And they're done very, very well. Do you think that experience where she says to Josh, like, I'm in love with your dad I think so. is a bit of mania? I think yeah. so. It does. It does feel that way to mm. me. Sort of like... Something that she wouldn't really think of or say when she's just in a sort of you no. Know, um, no, she's state. feeling quite quite elevated, and I think
1: she doesn't really feel that way. No, you know. Yeah. like <laughs> I don't want to like demean her feeling, but you know everything that we know from her from across the rest of the mm-hmm. show, she's not still in love with him.
0: Like she probably feels fondly of him and she's yeah. misinterpreting that because she's in that manic state as yes, love. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah,
1: and they're reaching a healthier space in their in their relationship post-marriage. And that's being interpreted as kind of extreme. Yes. Of the state
0: that yes, definitely. Um,
1: I would agree. I, I really like how they handle the like this the switch between different states because I think we also get from Rose plenty of periods where she seems euthymic mm. you know she's certainly not either depressed or manic throughout mm. the whole series we, we also see her euthymic we see her euthymic when she's dealing with very stressful life events. Can and you she's... tell the audience what euthymic means? Just... Oh very sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right, um, <laughs> so euthymia is is used to describe um, states for people with bipolar disorder like between episodes essentially mm-hmm. so periods of relatively stable mood um, mm-hmm. and functioning. Thank you. Thank you Dr. So. Elise. Not major depression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we definitely do do see that from her. We even see in in the episode where they go hiking. Like mm. for, for me, she she seems euthymic in that period yeah. of, of the show, but she's still experiencing. Grief and loss, yes. And I think it's really lovely to see the range of emotions and the experiences that she's having there, and not have them sort of overclouded by just her diagnosis. Like she's yeah. still a person who's having regular human experiences exactly. and can have regular human emotion
0: responses. Exactly. Like, and she can have a very lovely relationship with her son. Yes. All, throughout all that, Absolutely. and that's a really good episode of them bonding in a in a sort of balanced way. Agreed. She's quite rational. At, Absolutely. At that time. Absolutely. Um, I think it,
1: it's a really fair. Um Portrayal. The other thing I was going to say is I think the the temporal pattern, like the, the timing, that's a stupid word to use. that <laughs> no, it's the, just a technical word. <laughs> is really refreshing. So like throughout the show, you know, between seasons and things like that, sometimes we'll skip ahead in time, mm-hmm. um, between episodes even. They're not always, always like directly chronological. Like they, they are chronological, but it's not always like, well, this is the next week. Like sometimes yeah. some time has passed. Yeah. And I really like that they did not portray the bipolar disorder as being like within the one episode. So yes. of the show, that is, yes. we're both manic and then we're depressed and we're yeah. manic because it's n- not the most common experience. No. You know, it can have yeah. rapid cycling, bipolar disorder, of course. But I think it was really refreshing that it shows, you know, maybe an episode or two where she's in one particular state. Perhaps we have a period of yeah, stable mood, and then she'll transition into depression and it's not necessarily... I don't know, sometimes bipolar disorder in media can get reduced to like extreme moodiness. Yes, yeah. And I think they did a very good job of not doing that.
0: No, it's, it's the, probably one of the most nuanced portrayal I think mm. we've seen, particularly in a TV show. Agreed. And I think Josh's lived experience as well as research and consultation around that has really paid off. Mm. for her Mm. absolutely i really love the discussion around medication too from Mm. hannah and rose Mm. around how having to sort of accept that sometimes you need to take the pills Mm. and hannah sort of says this quote which i really like that you take medication to get yourself out of a dark hole but you end up just in a display home on an empty street Mm. which is like a really good way to describe how sometimes you know you You don't feel the depths, but you also don't feel the highs. Mm. You're sort of in that that in between, in between, stuck,
1: neutral. Yeah, yeah.
0: And she says it just hurts to know that I need to take pills simply to function. Mm. It's really painful. But then she says, I can't wait to be beige again because she's going through a real depression at that time. Yeah, like you miss being boring almost. Yeah, because it means you
1: can function. Yes, Mm. absolutely. And it's yeah, really highlights how difficult it can be when when taking medication that you know sometimes it can make you feel empty or numb or and, and not to say that that's the experience that everyone has but it mm. is one that some people share and for many medication is very life altering and life life saving
0: for them as well absolutely so. but yeah
1: sometimes when you're sort of stuck in that numb feeling you can forget that actually you know what this is preferable this yes. is still preferable yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah because I'm able to function it's it may not be a hundred percent the best all of the time mm. but It is a worthwhile endeavour,
0: but but that is a hard thing to accept. Yeah, yeah, particularly with some of these more severe mental health conditions. Mm, Absolutely. All right, big trigger warning, everyone. Let's talk about the biggest portrayal on the show (laughs) and the hardest thing to sort of go through and the thing we don't see often portrayed so well. Absolutely. on tv which is the suicide of or, or portrayed very often very often at no. all to be honest mm. yeah, yeah i would agree it's
1: not often portrayed well but it's also not often mm. portrayed and so, i think what we get left with
0: is 13 reasons why yes which <laughs> i that's hated just, that's just not even i hated but i think again like josh went from his own experiences but also like wanted to set out to show a good representation yes a more faithful nuanced true representation of a suicide he consulted with the national alliance on mental health and black dog institute to make sure what he wrote was sensitive enough Mm -hmm. what what were your thoughts and do you want to share a little bit (laughs) about (laughs) why it resonated with
1: you yeah sure so i think um yeah part of part of the reason that this show resonated with me so much and why it is such a top one for me is because i do have a lot of personal experience which I can relate to. Interestingly, because I watched the show um, when it first came out for the first couple of seasons, that was actually prior to the majority of my personal experience. So I will stop beating around the bush. (laughs) Um, So I I lost my brother to suicide in 2016. And so that kind of falls right in the middle of when the show was airing. Wow. And, like, it's funny because I don't... I still don't. I don't actually think about it like, oh, I didn't appreciate this before, and now I do. I actually mm. loved it at all times, but I think yeah. there's perhaps more nuance and more like specific things that are so heartbreaking to me now, having mm. had that experience. Mm. That perhaps before I would have just thought, oh, this is very nice, but not mm. really dug into it. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I find the the portrayal. I suppose it's, you know, everybody's experience is is going to be different, and and his experience with his mum attempting multiple times across the series and then ultimately taking her life is not one that I can specifically relate to that like that wasn't I didn't have a a several year battle um Mm. with that that ultimately led to my brother's death but I think a lot of the feelings that he goes through and the discussions they have so for for example the when they do go away camping and they have those discussions about how Josh feels about her suicide attempts Mm. or how that affected him are really relatable like Mm. Unfortunately, conversations I didn't get to have.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But I think the the content of them, nonetheless, is very, like, very touching to me. Like, resonates with me very deeply. Yeah. For sure. And I think, in particular, um, the aspects of grief that they cover are probably some of the things that I that I cherish most about that show. Yeah. And it's it's funny because I, I rewatched it recently ahead of ahead of recording this. And I, I rewatched it with my partner, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's the be- it's the best show! It's so funny! Like, it's so it's just so good!" <laughs> and I had forgotten. <laughs>
0: All the, all the not so funny
1: bits <laughs> how devastating it is yeah. as well you know like I think of it as you know the end of the show when Rose passes away ultimately like that's the sad thing that I yeah. think about right the most difficult thing I think to watch but I had forgotten how much there is throughout the show on yes. loss and grief and depression and Even self-harm and
0: season one like when Aunt Peg dies exactly it was almost like experience this because it's going to get harder later on because that was devastating it was devastating mm. and it just gets worse yes. in a good way but like it does get it does get a lot worse like a little palate preparation yeah so when you first watched the season finale yeah after everything had happened yeah. how did that affect you then Oh, I was just hysterically crying. (laughs) Um,
1: I think, I mean, I didn't have the exact same experience as Josh, but I think a lot of the feelings of just, like, complete shock and, Mm. like, your world almost falling apart did really resonate Mm. um, still. And, And every time I've seen the show in full... Probably, like, five times oh or wow. so now. Like, I've watched a lot. I love it. Mm. <laughs> um, masochist, again. guess. <laughs> um, and every time it makes me bawl. Mm. Like, every time when he gets to the door of her house, mm. before anything has even happened, mm. I just... It's awful. My yeah. whole body tenses up and then I hysterically cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is because I've watched it um, far too many times and I know it's coming. <laughs> but I also think... They inject a lot into that scene. Like, yeah. I feel like even not knowing what was coming, for yeah. example, like my partner hadn't seen it. And when we got to the beginning of that scene and he's entering her house, he also tensed up and yeah. he knew what was what coming. What was going to happen. Because they somehow just – yeah, they just they just set it up so well. Yeah.
0: Like you hadn't heard from her for a while. They had that really nice dinner and then Josh is coming over and there's like lots of fun banter going on over yeah. the phone with – Tom and Ella. Yeah, and then it happens. Yeah, it felt very. It feels realistic. like getting hit by a train. Like, yeah,
1: it does. It just it just smacks you in the face, and I think mm. that is a very realistic portrayal of what it for me anyway. What it is like to find that out. Yeah, let alone to find her. That's horrific. Um, but but yet yeah, to receive that news is just a
0: completely life altering, but also just yeah, in the moment just. You just freeze, like... And it's. you can see his experience of, like, almost denial yeah. at first. Yeah. Like, well, this thing has happened.
1: Yes, yeah, and he sort of, like, he walks in and then he goes to leave and, yeah. and I think that, like, that instinct, it's very much like, maybe if I just leave it won't have happened. Yes, pretend that the last five seconds yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah, I'll just go back outside. It doesn't have to have happened.
0: That's not my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he did it so well and so respectfully as well. Absolutely. I think it's really important that, and very brave of him to portray a character going through Mm. the ups and downs of bipolar and ultimately not surviving. We want feel-good stories. We don't want to deal with the reality of it sometimes. We want those tropes, like love saves us all, you know. She gets one therapy and she's better now. And I think it's really important to show that, even with all the tools available, and this, this is in an article I'll share, you know, she goes to the psychiatrist, she takes the meds, she goes to the psych ward, she has support, she stays in the hospital, she moves in with a person so she's not by herself, she does all the things to mm. try to stay alive but in the end, the disorder, it, it, it ends up ending her life and I think it's really important mm. to show that it's not always something that we can recover from Yeah. Um. and it's no one's fault and it's not one particular thing that happens. Yes. It yeah. can be a a build-up over time before it gets to that point point. Yeah. and also really shows how everyone is affected by that mm. in terms of Josh, obviously, and, you know, Rose's ex-husband and everybody else, but also the people supporting Josh. Like, I mm. really love that moment in the kitchen when um, Ella's like, uh, Tom will suck your cuck if you want and stuff like that I'll give you a blowjob. And then as soon as Josh goes to bed, they just, like, collapse in a heap. Yep. They're, like, they're so hard and yep. you feel so bad for him. But they, yep. they know they just have to – They have to hold it together. Yeah, hold it together for him. And I think that was really important to show too, yep. just the ripple effect. Yeah, absolutely. Also,
1: I, I guess talking about in the immediate aftermath – um, his dad
0: yes, coming yes. around. That's what my dad would do. Like, what's in the fridge? Yeah. Do you want the milk? Do you want to take the milk?
1: It's going to go off. You should yeah. take it. Don't want to waste it. And I think as much as, you know, in in part that's like, ha, ha, funny, classic dad, I think that's also a classic way that many people
0: respond to a situation like that. older men, <laughs> Particularly I think. older men. Like, what can I practically do? Because yes. I cannot deal with the emotions of this right now. I just no. focus on what we need to have
1: yep. happened. Yeah. And I think in terms of... Also, like, I guess reactions in the immediate aftermath, sorry. One of probably the things that resonated with, with me most about Josh, Josh's reaction is his, like, oscillating between being completely paralysed, like when he's on the phone with Tom, mm. and and Tom says, you know, well, you need to call someone to come and get her.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Yeah. And Tom's like, okay, I'll do it. And he's like, yes, like, he needs he needs people yeah. to do it with for him. Yeah. And oscillating between that, and then like making the choice to go and call Claire on her on his own and yeah, tell her, yeah, or you know taking the initiative to, to you know call call people and and make things happen and do things, and then sort of retreating into that like cocoon of of being paralysed and not being able to do anything. Yeah, that for me is very very relatable. Like yeah. In the, in the aftermath of my my brother's death i definitely felt that as well like i would mm-hmm. have periods of just like don't want to talk to anyone i don't want to see anyone and i'm talking in the aftermath like you know the 24 hours mm. i can't i can't do anything and then taking it upon myself to make make myself the one to make really difficult phone calls or mm-hmm. like organize things because it felt like at least i could do something yeah it gives you something um, to focus
0: on and, yes. and yeah achieve something yeah and then
1: the next minute you're back to absolutely can't do anything yeah <laughs> Pretending it didn't happen almost. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Josh also, when he makes that phone call, part of him is doing it because he knows that it will it will allow him to experience the feelings that he needs to.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. You,
1: you try and like shut that down and go into a ball and have everyone else do everything and I don't know if that's even really conscious, but you do get into this kind of like numb denialish state. Yeah. yeah. And doing something really difficult like calling someone and telling them what has happened is a really powerful way to break through that wall (laughs) like you cannot help but then sob alone in your bed yeah when you've done that um and i think i used a similar strategy
0: so good job josh and now you're talking about on a podcast to just experience (laughs) it that little bit more yeah it's all good (laughs) (laughs) it does sort of heart back to when aunt peg dies and he's trying to feel the feelings mm. and then eventually he does and it's like his birthday is it his birthday it is um You know, it's sort of learning from that experience almost Mm. and – Yeah, I'd never
1: thought about that, but you're right. Yeah, he does have the same struggle with, like, he hasn't cried since Aunt Peg died until it's the day of her funeral, which is also his 21st birthday. Yeah. I've seen it five times. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, if I get it wrong, you'll no, correct fine. me. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and he sort of can't cry until he's like he's, he's sitting in a lo- alone in a room at the funeral, mm. and he finally like it all comes suddenly as yeah. a as a tsunami wave. Yeah, and he's just like sobbing at the table, and they come in to sing him happy birthday. Mm. And and you're right, I've never I've never really thought about that, but it, it is almost like he he learns from that and purposefully does things to help himself. Mm feel what he needs to feel yeah and i think you know there's a couple of instances where they're on a night out or something after that and he you know they're sitting at mcdonald's eating cheeseburgers and he'll just start sobbing at yeah. the table and i think it's really clear that he's made a lot of progress yes definitely obviously the loss of his mom is also much more devastating 100 um, and 10 <laughs> so that yes. helps but i do think it speaks to josh's growth and his ability to acknowledge him, sort of experience his And it speaks
0: to the support he has around him that they sort of allow space too. Like, this is, Josh needs to have his cry and we will allow that. Not everyone has people around them that feel comfortable with that. Yeah, and I think it's really...
1: Like that's a really nice portrayal because ultimately a lot of the time people when grieving and experiencing those waves, that's what we want. Yes, yeah. We we want people who will just allow that to happen and Mm. not become extremely uncomfortable and like, oh, let me hug you so you'll stop crying. Mm. Or, you know, they're they're just letting him be how he is and acting normal. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Um, exactly. And that's very helpful. Yeah,
0: they're great. Mm. And I love like in terms of loss and grief, one of the things that uh claire says i think it's claire he says this is just one of those things that's going to be shit for a while until it gets a little bit less shit um which is a just a good way to describe it because you can't like i think over the phone like she's all of us when someone tells us some really awful news and you know nothing you can say is going to make anything any better yeah and all the you know common things that people say are like i'm really sorry to hear that Mm. someone i know was dumped recently and they're like don't you dare say that you're sorry to hear that. Because what? Why are you sorry? Like, <laughs> but I am. <laughs> like, I am. sometimes you but, don't know. But do it internally, I yeah. guess. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's- the things you say can do not help. Mm. So something like that sort of phrase really yeah. nails it. Like, it's going to be shit. Just let it be shit. Yeah. It's fucking shit. Yeah. There's no, no way of, holy. Oh, she's in a better place now or whatever. No, yeah. fuck off. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think really... Yeah, as much as there's nothing good to say, the other thing that Claire says that says immediately before that quote, because again, seen it of times, <laughs> she says, "There's nothing I can say that will be helpful right yeah. now." And I, I think, ironically, that is the only helpful thing, thing that can anyone can ever yeah. say. Like, there's nothing I can do.
0: Yeah, and just being honest about that. Yeah, like yeah. I know I can't help you right now.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, it's
0: I'm here. It's awful. Yeah, yeah,
1: because yeah, r- really in the immediate aftermath, because that is, I think. When he calls her that time, it's the same day. I mm. think it's supposed to be the end of the day when mm. when he's found yep. her. Like people are just not in a place for you to. Oh, is there anything I can do? Can mm. I? Can I do? Can I? I don't know. I can't. I can't think about. Yeah. it's not something you can think about. No, yeah. no. Mm. And there probably are helpful things you could do. Just make some food and drop but, it on the doorstep or need something. To take but that don't, initiative. don't talk to me yeah, about it. Don't
0: <laughs> add more to that emotional plate. Mm, exactly. exactly. How did you relate to? It, it's it's quite short. Because it's pretty much the end of the, the series. end of the series, mm. but that that experience of grief for Josh,
1: I think the way that they portrayed, like I was saying, um, that he would just be in like a normal situation, sort of getting on with his life, doing normal things, and then just be suddenly overcome by a wave of grief, yeah. and then and then it would pass, and yeah. he would go back to living his normal life, and then and then it would come up again, and and there'd be new sort of triggers, I suppose, for his mm. grief,
0: mm. Um, that would come up. I guess the fact that he's When he gets the house? Yes. Yes. And then he oh my gets God. quite emotional. Oh, my God.
1: That is an amazing one. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, that is a fantastic one. So he sells his mum's house mm. for quite a sum of money and buys his own apartment. But when they're at the auction and they're all, like, you know, giddy with excitement because people are bidding and it's it's going to a really high number and it's really wonderful and they're, like, waiting for it to be official so they can celebrate and then, you know, the hammer is whacked. I don't know what an auction. Yeah, thing. <laughs> I will never buy a house. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the auction's over. The house is sold. They've got a good amount of money. And they're like, okay, great, we can celebrate now, and everyone starts yelling and yeah, hugging and everything like that. And within three seconds, he's just sobbing. Yeah, and I think. <laughs> Um, that transition of like happy memories sometimes becoming tainted, yes, because yes. they are happening without you. the person that you've lost,
0: yeah, is an
1: extremely relatable experience.
0: Of, and it's another loss as well. It's exactly. not just the loss of mum; it's loss of mum's house, and it's yes, loss yes. of the memories that were yeah. there, not being able to go back there yeah, yeah. ever again. Exactly.
1: I think yeah, the house is a really good example of that. But I certainly experienced other things where you know, something something good would happen, I'd get some good news, something exciting was going to happen, and I'd be happy for, like, a second and then remember that, you know, my brother wasn't going to be there yeah, to experience that. Him. I can't tell him. Not that he was a chatty guy. <laughs> he wouldn't care. But <laughs> I would like to see him not care.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Um, and so I think... Yeah, that was that scene for me. Yes, is partly about the fact that the house is gone, and that's very, very literal, like mm. loss of her. But also just about experiencing joy without that person being mm. a very complicated, yes, feeling. Yes,
0: hugely. Yeah, yeah. And I think thinking of you know now, Josh, has, he's got his coffee stand, he's got his house. Yeah um he's he's doing quite well for himself and then knowing that his mum would be proud but not being able to experience that pride absolutely devastating
1: and i think also maybe something that's not quite as relevant to my particular situation but i've certainly felt um i guess flavors of this but him talking about how like no one else cares as much as he does
0: Mm, about his mum. Yes. 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 Is,
1: again, not really my experience. I have, <laughs> I have other family. There's many, many people that that care a lot, but but that is such a specific pain that I'm mm. sure would have been extremely relatable and certainly is very yes. heartbreaking. Even yes. as a person not having had that exact
0: feeling, yeah. that there's really no one that was close to him. No. At, no. At, and for her as close yeah. to her yeah and feeling mm. that
1: responsibility to like carry on her memory yeah i suppose because it's all kind of on him mm. Mm.
0: it's a lot mm. it's a lot for a early twenty, late 20s 20s dude? i don't know 20s dude. i don't know how long they are
1: how old, how old how old are they
0: thank you very much for sharing no worries. that difficult stuff That's okay. um i i love to mine my friends for their trauma <laughs> today's no exception <laughs> Should we move on to the depiction of anxiety? Because it's yes. something we both have experienced. Yeah. Yes. So,
1: um, I, so I suppose the, the primary depiction of anxiety is in Arnold. Yes. So one of Josh's uh, boyfriends <clears throat> who, again, we don't get like a specific diagnosis for him necessarily. Seems mm. like maybe, yeah, definitely has panic attacks most likely generalized anxiety disorder. Mm. Maybe some PTSD. Or something Maybe some
0: that. PTSD. Possibly he is um, adopted and yes. does seem to have. Yes, there could be some trauma attachment stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. quite possibly.
1: Um, but it is really refreshing. So we meet Arnold, um, well, at a party, mm. um, but he does spend a decent chunk of time in the show um, in the psych ward. In the psych ward, yep. yeah.
0: Yep. I really like that he's in the psych war because it's it's sort of against what we expect. Like yes, he's yes. a young dude, yes. quite quite an attractive, yep.
1: attractive guy. young
0: guy in his twenties. In his twenties. Uh, and also with, with more of a garden variety sort of diagnosis that we assume. Yeah. Like his anxiety is obviously quite it's quite not severe. Variety, but. It
1: is quite severe, but but I agree it's also something that I think a lot of people can relate to, and it's maybe mm. not generally what we think of. And I think, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but I think it is very helpful yes, <laughs> yes, to see people definitely. with an array of diagnoses mm. um,
0: in, in a psych ward because... Of different sort of commonalities as different well. Different commonalities, yeah. different
1: severities, like there's all sorts of different people with different different
0: things going on for them, um, mm. and that's really refreshing. What do you think of the betrayal – and this is what triggers me usually <laughs> – of the panic attack in the show? Or well, there's a few, I think. There's more than one, I think. There's a couple. There's a couple, um, mm.
1: but I assume you mean the one on the beach? Yes. Like, yeah.
0: It's It's a lot – Mm. it's a lot i have a
1: lot of feelings about that scene but not necessarily about the panic attack itself the panic attack itself i don't find triggering but i think you do so do you no, speak I don't. to know
0: see i didn't find it too triggering because it seemed a bit overdone okay when i see a really well yeah um acted panic attack on tv yeah. it triggers my anxiety <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> didn't for arnold okay. and i think you could like i don't i'm being very critical of mm. keegan joyce who plays arnold but mm. you can tell Hasn't experienced a panic attack in his life. No, <laughs> but that hyperventilation—you know—not a lot of people see like the throes of a panic attack, and mm. that the fact it's a long one, mm. and it doesn't just stop with a magical trick or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Sometimes when you've got really extreme anxiety, your panic attacks can go on for a while, and you feel like you're going to die for yeah. a long time. Yeah. It's really scary. So I think it's actually good to see it properly from beginning to end without any movie magic. Mm. but I just wish he acted a bit better. But it, it could—it was good way. for me.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> In sure. terms
0: of watching it, less upsetting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think the the thing about that scene that I don't yes, like. Yes, let's talk about that personally. And this might be a little bit controversial, but I find it quite annoying because Arnold up until that point is doing quite well. Yeah, like he's in this relationship it's going pretty well they're out on the town for a party whatever you know the preceding episodes don't suggest that he's struggling necessarily from mm. from memory it's not going to be perfect but
0: and has he come out to his parents at that point good question you've got the encyclopedia knowledge no i don't
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've got of like specific phrases but chronological stuff very difficult okay. i'm not sure but anyway he's going all right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's this awkward interaction where Josh runs into his ex housemate who he was in love with, and mm. um, the ex housemate tries to come on to him, and mm. that's what triggers. And the he's attack. very drunk, and, and he's he's like to look after him off his face. Like, mm. you know, Josh has to go into the ocean and get him out so he doesn't drown. Yeah, and I think it's it's very clear from the situation Josh is not into it, and they're just like helping this person not mm. be left on the street in an unwell stage yeah, it
0: it's not anything that he needs to worry about in terms of yes f-
1: feelings no but for somebody who struggles very badly with anxiety i can see why it, it, it would triggered trigger. the attack yeah. but immediately after the attack josh is like what do you want to do and he goes i need to go to the hospital mm. and i just find that so frustrating mm. because maybe like maybe if there'd been more build-up of like arnold's having a really terrible time and then this happened, and that's the last straw. Yeah,
0: yeah. Then,
1: then I there could wasn't as that. much.
0: Like, I feel like maybe there was an internal build up,
1: possibly. But there wasn't as much yeah. described of yeah.
0: maybe a build up to get to that point. Yeah, of being like, nah, I got to go to hospital. Yeah. And on one hand, I love that he says it casually because
1: I think it's a really important part of treatment for lots of yeah, people, and, yeah. it, and it shouldn't doesn't have to be that big of a deal. But on the other hand, I just think like. I think it's indicative of this like weird relationship he has with a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. that's perhaps not that helpful and productive quite codependent. Yeah. And that like she's not really equipping him with good coping mechanisms or like, you know, a plan for when these sorts of things happen of steps we can take rather than just like, I'm going to the hospital.
0: Exactly, yeah. It's clear that he's had treatment for a while. Yeah. And outpatient treatment as well as inpatient treatment. And his psychiatrist obviously knows him quite well. Mm. So the fact that his immediate response to one panic attack Mm. is hospital Mm. suggests that he hasn't been appropriately skilled up to be able to manage independently and go to particular, you know, strategies before going to hospital. Yeah. And that is concerning given that he's had so much treatment.
1: It is very concerning. And especially that it's not just that he says, like, in the moment – in the panic i need to go to hospital it's legitimately like well i don't think we can go in the middle of the night and then they wait till morning and he goes like yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like it
0: passes and that is the and plan still going yeah, yeah. but it's actually in that interview with hannah gadsby mm. she talks about the difference between a meltdown and a panic attack mm. when there's a meltdown you're like it's like a cleansing it's like your body's reset mm. so like an autistic um, neurodivergent uh, meltdown is can once it's over you can feel much better mm. when you've got a panic attack you st- you're kind of still in that, it's like a hangover after mm. a big night or after a migraine, I get mm. sort of migraine hangovers. It lingers for a while and yeah. it's almost like you're in that state where you could go again very easily. Yeah. So for him, like safety is hospital. Mm. Um, so he just wants to be in a safe space mm. and that is hospital. So I can understand him wanting to go there. Mm. But, yeah, he's obviously has a lot of work still to do on his anxiety absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. that's my that's my clinical interpretation Opinion. of that yep.
1: so so one other thing that i really liked sort of an aside but um there's a scene where um i think arnold actually disappears for a few days and then he shows yes. up in the middle of the night drunk in which josh's is... bed and and says he loves him mm. which concerning but whatever mm. Mm. um but he's very drunk and josh is awake but he pretends not to hear it yes <laughs> And then the next day Josh sort of gets the courage up to, to tell Arnold that he loves him and Arnold has like a very averse reaction yes. of I'm not ready to say it, I'm not going to be forced into doing things I'm not comfortable with, like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to set a boundary which he has the right to do. Yes, yeah. And and Josh asks him to leave basically mm-hmm. and says like I can't do this yeah. and Arnold's like well that's not, that's not fair, like I don't want to, you can't force me to do anything I'm not comfortable with mm-hmm. and – and I think and, – and Josh sort of holds the point and asks him to leave and needs that space. Yeah. And I think it is a really nice, like, non-literal – they didn't have to say what they were saying. Yeah. But way of communicating that, like, having a mental illness or having mental health struggles does not mean that your partner or your, the other people in your life's issues and needs are not important
0: absolutely good really really good point Um, yeah
1: yeah. Uh, thanks i agree (laughs) (laughs) um but really because it's all and it's almost like you know particularly because arnold does have this weird codependent relationship with his psychiatrist Mm. that we'll probably talk about if we have time. Yes. Um, <laughs> Next, <laughs> please. Um, but it's almost like Arnold has been taught within that relationship that his mm. needs are the most important and that he needs to protect himself and his well-being yes. at all costs. And so he's sort of like a bit bratty when yeah. Josh tries to set his own boundary yeah. of, well, this is a need that I have, please leave. <laughs>
0: yes, yes.
1: And I think that was really helpful.
0: Especially given, you know, Josh's needs, like they're in this open relationship and clearly, you know, whatever – uh, Arnold was doing at the time mm. wasn't with Josh you know Josh has his own insecurities around mm. that mm. he wants to allow Arnold to have the type of relationship he wants mm. but Arnold is really quite selfish throughout that relationship he because quite. he's not really acknowledging Josh's needs he doesn't text back and then he confuses him by saying I love you and then being like no yeah so you know Josh is absolutely correct yeah. to be like no fuck yeah. Off. yeah you know and that is separate from any you know, also, he can be supportive of his mental illness while also being putting himself and his needs yeah. as a priority as well. Absolutely. So I think on that note we should talk about Arnold, psychologist. Yeah. Okay. Because we've been talking about it anyway. We have. She just doesn't seem to have boundaries and I would not be doing what she's doing. She's extremely problematic. <laughs> End of discussion. <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: So she, um, as we've kind of already talked about, there's a couple of things that come up which are quite problematic. So the first indication of that is that um, when Josh and Arnold decide to go on a date officially for the first time... Mm. She wants to meet him. Mm, And so she mm, organises to come by his coffee cart so that she can meet him.
0: And, like, assess whether he's good for for
1: Arnold. Arnold, which is just so inappropriate. So incredibly inappropriate. And then Josh's family there and it's it's a big kerfuffle and it's very embarrassing and she clearly doesn't approve. And then she tells them she thinks that they need to go somewhere safe with other people and that they shouldn't be alone.
0: And it is just so... Such an overstep. Also, for an anxiety disorder, that would be worse to me. Agreed. <laughs>
1: Agreed.
0: Yeah, not, She's not more, good. Like, they seem very enmeshed. She's almost a parent figure. Yep. Like, yep. that's what a parent might do when you're yeah. a teenager. Also, like, there's no reason in my any of my private work or, you know, work at the schools and even then that you would meet a partner unless, A, they asked you to hmm. and they wanted them to come in for a session. Hmm. Or B, you were discharging them into their care. Mm. Or C, they were, you were going through a safety plan with them. Yeah. So they needed to do something to make sure that person was yeah. safe. Yeah, There's no other reason why you would need to there meet a partner w- who isn't even a partner yet. They just have it going on a date. Yeah. There's no reason to meet someone they're going on a first date with. Which is a big red flag for the whole of Arnold's treatment. Like, yeah. she's, she's like the anxious parent making her child anxious. And I think I remember there's a scene where after his panic attack, when he
1: decides to go to the hospital, um, like, they meet her there in the morning and it's kind of like, I'll take it from here, from Josh. Like, Like, she's literally – No, 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 no.
0: Oh, it's so (laughs) – Josh isn't his carer, A, and B – Like, neither are you. Where's where's your non-judgmental persona as a psychologist? Thank you. Yeah. In contrast, love Josh's psychiatrist, played by iconic Deborah Melman, who I absolutely love. Mm -hmm she's um, obviously it's a different context she's really just going through some grief counseling with josh which he's not even sure you know he needs Mm. um but he gets something out of it it seems and she's very gentle Mm. she like doesn't always understand i feel like she's understanding of him and why he uses humor to sort of cover up his emotions Mm. but also humors him at the same time like laughs at his jokes and then i love how she fires him at the end (laughs) which is a really good portrayal of like. Therapy sometimes does, doesn't have to be forever, and sometimes it's not like there's an obvious goal. Yeah. It's just like I think, I think you're okay. You're doing okay, and you could, we could sort of stop seeing each other as much. Yeah, I, I haven't. I have exited sessions very similarly to her. Like, yeah. I think. Yeah. How would you feel if we just you know took a little break yeah. or I'll cut back a bit? Yeah, and you yeah. see how you go without me. Yeah, very like, realistic and
1: beautiful. Yeah, a really nice, like and humorous
0: mm. relationship
1: that they have. That is obviously. Helpful to him.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just before we move on, do you think, from your experience, the actual institution itself? Mm. I don't know if you've had any experience in psych wards or institutions. Mm -hmm. I've visited. um, I've also visited, that's about it. Yeah, and that's about it as well. But from that,
1: it seemed relatively accurate.
0: It looked quite similar to one I've been to. I
1: think it was a real one. Yeah. Like, I know that one of the hospitals. Um, Nicholas (laughs) recognised. Oh, really? (laughs) Like, it's an actual ward. Actually, it's one that he's working on. Oh, (laughs) there you go. We we won't say the name on the podcast. No, I think that was the, it was an actual, it was a hospital, different context. But anyway, Mm. um, so it probably is actually (laughs) a ward that's been used for something similar. And, yeah, I think it seemed quite quite accurate, we didn't see a lot of, I suppose, therapeutic components. We saw some group stuff, like they were doing some group exercises and Which is really common, things. yeah. But not not too many, like, not a lot of group, group therapy. Group therapy, no. No,
0: which is pretty common. Um, but, you know, I'm glad they didn't show that because, A, it's personal. True. Like, that's, that's good that it's not just there for everybody to see because mm. it would be, um, you know, a personal thing. And, B, I think it was more important for the relationships that we see how everyone interacts mm, in there mm. and it's so much more realistic than what we see in movies and TV shows, shows mm. often mm. in that they're just humans yep. gathered together, they eat their dinner, they have chats, they play hide and seek, you know, yep. they can, they have freedom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not this really police institution like you yep. expect it to be. Yep. Um, it's probably more like high school or yeah. boarding school. Yeah, agreed. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was, it was pretty reasonable. And Josh did do a lot of research into um, particular um, psych wards and institutions, and uh, the general consensus was that it was a revelation, in quotes. So it was a very good portrayal. Okay, well, that's good. (laughs) And he toured a clinic in Melbourne and consulted with a psychiatrist there, so that's good. Very good. Just a couple of last things to talk about. Firstly, abortion, Mm -hmm. because that's a very big part of season... Three I think it's season three. Again, chronological. You're You're supposed to know. Not my strength. (laughs) Quotes. (laughs) And I really like how they portrayed it. It was very well received. Um, Lots of articles talk about how it's just breaking new ground. Yeah. Um, Josh did do a lot of research. He co-wrote it with um, his female uh, co-writer, Liz Doran. They spoke to family planning clinics. A lot of them, women that he spoke to, who saw the show mm. he says girls that's just him yeah because <laughs> women girls We're like really caught off guard by how much it got to them or whether they had one or someone had that one even though they don't regret it mm. um it shows those emotions really well i think what did you think it does
1: um i thought it was brilliant so um hopefully everyone's seen it because we've spoiled the entire show now but it is a whole <laughs> episode basically dedicated to everything that comes up from claire so it's it's claire that has the abortion um josh's ex-girlfriend slash best mm-hmm. friend she's gotten pregnant by somebody who we don't know we mm-hmm. think it was maybe in germany when she was in europe I can't yeah remember.
0: yeah i guess not the point no and i and as yeah. you said to me i love that we don't know who the dad is and no, it doesn't matter it's not the point
1: no. because i think as much as like abortion is not something that is portrayed super commonly if it is it's always like oh that choice of like Will we keep it? Will we not? Mm. Like that's the one struggle that we see portrayed, and yeah. it usually is very much involving the father, mm. um, or the person who's gotten the pregnant person pregnant. Yeah, and that's fine, and that is a struggle to be seen, and and you know that probably resonates with people and everything. But I really, really loved that he was just irrelevant yeah. to the yeah. situation, and even the decision.
0: Yeah, the decision was nothing that to do wasn't with him.
1: something. something
0: that needed to be debated there's a
1: moment there where she's like
0: maybe we can raise it together josh yeah yeah
1: that was just and i think even that though like that that's the whole thing is it's it's all about her experience and how she is processing it and part of that for her is that oh maybe i will keep it and josh and i could raise it we'd be great that'd be fun Mm. but it's mostly about her internal struggle and Mm. and the impact that it has on her and yes one of my favorite quotes Mm -hmm. from the entire series Um, oh god, I can't even remember it now. Um, anyway, no, I can remember it by heart. It's okay. It's <laughs> don't worry. Is that she says they they go through this really wholesome scene where they're eating fried chicken and they're each going to talk about their feelings and not judge each other and just like mm-hmm. say what they're thinking. Josh yeah. says he was thinking about keeping it and had picked out outfits and, and things like that. And and Claire says that she thought her politics would protect her from her feelings. And but she was wrong. She <laughs> yeah. was wrong. And I think that that is a really common um, mm. experience, particularly, you know, and, and given what Josh said of... You know, a lot of the people that they spoke to about this topic had said that they were really caught off guard and really shocked by how much it affected them. Mm, um, mm. But I think it was a brilliant portrayal of how you can so strongly believe in something and believe that it is the right choice for you and it's the correct thing
0: to do, and it can still be really difficult. Yeah, yeah, which I love. And they really went through in quite detail, which you I don't think we've seen in anything else. Absolutely not. What actually happens during the abortion process. Yes. She takes this pill... She goes home, she takes this pill, it's yep. going to be painful. This time, it'll be over by this time. Yeah. I don't know if the timeline was accurate because I know some people who go through mm. the, you know, withdrawal process a lot longer than she yeah. seemed to. Yeah. But, yeah, it was the most realistic it was actual process I think we've ever agreed. seen. Agreed. Lastly, in terms of accuracy, I just want to talk briefly about the self-harm, mm. which is another big trigger warning because – it's probably one of the hardest things to watch in the show is seeing Hannah self harm, and we see her self harm. Agreed. Yeah, it's extremely confronting. Yeah, I, I kind of wish they put a trigger warning on that. I mean, that you know the whole show the whole show needs needs one but you know I didn't expect to see it and I'm someone who has self-harmed and you know it was not triggering in terms of self-harm for me but you know anxiety and feelings attributed to it yeah but it also made sense to me how they show it like she's not doing it to get a high which some people expect from people who self-harm it's not done in a way that's giving attention to anyone she sort of it's like a ritual for her she retreats Mm. to her room she's very shameful of it she has a lot of guilt Mm -hmm. over it um and she engages in it and it it hurts Mm. and it impacts her day Mm. but she obviously she's in a real depressive state and Mm. she she's driven to do it um i think yeah a really common Common stereotype with,
1: with self harm, particularly for those of us who grew up with the like emo yeah. generation, <laughs> et cetera, all of us in the room, um, <laughs> is that, you know, a lot of adults and stuff are very hysterical about like, oh, mm. they're just looking for attention and yeah. whatever. Like, it's just like, I don't know, you know, they're just doing it to, to get people to, to pay attention yeah, to them to and to be sympathy, dramatic yeah. or to get sympathy or atten- whatever it is. Mm. And I think um, it's an extremely good portrayal of how that is. In the vast majority of cases i mean i'm a very strong believer that if somebody is willing to hurt themselves for attention they should probably get that attention yes 100%. Um, <laughs> probably a valid request. <laughs> there's a problem there with the attention
0: not yes the, so, not yeah. the
1: behavior um but uh, but anyway in this case it's, it's very clearly not that like you said it's very shameful she retreats mm. she tries to hide it for everyone
0: and i love that it's you know we are we always hear think of self-harm as teenagers and yes. hannah's what, you know, in 30s, the thirties, 30s. Yeah. and that is common with yeah. mental illness. Self harm affects literally every absolutely. age. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, not eggs. <laughs> Have yes. we gone through all of our I think depictions. So. Oh my goodness! All right, we'll we'll quickly go through stereotypes and self harm. In terms of stereotypes, it really smashes so many stereotypes. The stereotype of of mental illness generally severe mental illness. Um, You know, mental illness requiring hospitalisation. Particularly with Arnold's character, he's young, he's hot. hot. He's sexually sexually active, he's dating. He is not monogamous, he has a desire for sex. We Mm. often think of mental illness and, you know, really extreme mental illness. We don't think of those people as, like, wanting a relationship.
1: Absolutely,
0: no. The love is not the answer to mental illness. You know, Arnold's mental health, he doesn't actually see Josh as being helpful. No. Which is shame but yeah. you know love isn't the answer suicide not one thing causes it um a lot mm. of things happen that lead to that place mm. also in the institution so many people in there are voluntary mm. it's not like they're they're against their will and yep. this is a horrible uh, restrictive place for them it's a place that they want to be in to yep. heal and feel and better. that it's helpful that they feel safe in yeah absolutely i think on on
1: suicide as well Another suicide in the show that we didn't actually touch Mm. on um, is is Ginger, who's one of um, the other people in the institution. Um, and I Played think, by Denise Drysdale. Yes. Brilliant character. Mm. Amazing. But I think, yeah, even have, having two, two, two suicides in a show is a, is a lot. And that's not all the deaths, too. And it's not all the deaths. There's also a bunny. There's also a bunny. There's also a <laughs> Peg. Yes. But I think even the way that those two situations are very different, like Rose's circumstance and how she chooses to take her life, and gingers are very different. Yes. Like it's not, yeah, like you said, it's not one thing. There's not one formula that leads somebody to that choice. And Ginger doesn't present
0: things. as typically depressed. No, no, she doesn't. She's very up and down. She's very uh, – she kind of jazzes everybody up. She does. Get, get She's stuff like quite happening. energetic yeah.
1: and like kind of a go-getter. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's nef- definitely not what
0: you typically think of, mm. but it's still realistic. Do you think uh, Ginger was – uh, I got just some hints that maybe she was borderline personality disorder perhaps. I think possibly. I could see that. I think she claims bipolar disorder in the show,
1: but it's actually unclear to me whether that is meant to be a sincere thing. Like it's when she's trying to bond with Rose when she yeah. first arrives
0: and she's like, oh, yeah, me too, we'll stick together because we've got the same diagnosis kind of thing. Which also could be a borderline trait to lie and manipulate so that you get stuff from other people. <laughs> a, little, a little bit. Which is a bit of a trope that I've just given, but, you know. It is, but it is her, like, try, you know.
1: I could see it being her just like trying very hard to bond. Yes, with yeah. Rose. Yeah, um, and I'm not sure if she actually has bipolar disorder or. Yep. Yeah,
0: she does also call herself a se- uh, a sex addict. She does. Yes, that's true. So again, not clear if that's a joke. She also could just be in a manic phase. Yeah. Well, look, don't know. She could be lots anyway. of things, but anyway, it doesn't matter. She's she's not the central character, no. but yeah, it was really good to see her. So and how that affected Rose, mm. um, and Josh does say that he wanted to show how a suicide, how how Rose processes someone else suiciding that she mm. was close to, mm. and recognizing mm-hmm. the the responsibility that you you give to everybody else yep. if you do go through with
1: that, and then the pain and the anger yeah. that Rose feels, and how um, and how how she reflects on her own um, attempts and how that you know that might have impacted josh and she's asking him questions about how it made her feel um so i think it's a very helpful portrayal of Mm. i guess the the waves
0: of of how suicide can affect many many people yeah definitely Mm. in a non-stereotypical way yes um i also love that we see a really loving healthy i think sweet relationship josh definitely becomes the parent towards the end of it It rather than the other way around, but we all become parents of our parents in the end. Um, Let's be honest, despite wanting to end her life doesn't mean she didn't love, want to be there for Josh. He Mm. got lots of love from his mum. She gave lots of love to Josh. I love how that wasn't questioned at any point. No, And she was never a burden. No. He never saw her a burden. No. He wanted to spend time with her. The only thing getting in that he didn't like about living with her was that bringing boys home basically. Yep it's awkward very awkward even though she's a cool mum, and he totally can <laughs> yes again the stereotype of abortion mm. like it, it, it is a big deal but then it's not a big deal yeah agreed so it does a good job of of combating that yeah i suppose that, that stereotype it
1: doesn't have to be that big of a deal mm. um it does have an impact on claire and she is upset but she also moves on
0: with her life yeah. it's, she, she doesn't regret it no yeah um, there's a few things I thought would become stereotypes, mm. but turn out not to be. Um, firstly, when we first meet May, mm-hmm. and his dad sort of keeps her in the car, and it's very much like older Australian man dating a younger Asian woman. Like mm-hmm. that is a trope. That's a stereotype. Is. That is a com. Some, sadly, a common theme mm-hmm. where um, in, you know some older men actually seek out younger Asian women, particularly from other countries. Yep. I'm not. Just saying that's a stereotype that happens. But she was a very fully fleshed out character. They had genuine love for each other. Yeah. She's very likeable and they have a solid and quite complex relationship. They too. do. Agreed. Um, it's wonderful. And she also has a great relationship with Josh.
1: Yeah. And, and they also actually do face a bit of, like, I guess people challenging their relationship based yes, on that stereotype. Yes, they do, yes. And it is really nice to see. Defend his wife, lovely. Yeah, lovely.
0: He does. He does really love her. He does. They don't always give each other what they need. No. Uh, it's a very, it's a very true life. In many relationships. relationships. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I also then, love how she ribs him. She, <laughs> she does. Reminds me of She's my art. so funny.
1: <laughs> She's so so funny. I love her so much. It also is at risk of having that sort of like. I don't know if this is the original, but it's always the example I think of of like the Friends phenomena of like they live in the, these like mm. huge. New York apartment that would be extremely <laughs> expensive and then sex n- in the city <laughs> sex in the city and there's no explanation of how they pay for that despite yeah. none of them working high paying jobs um, in a very like uh, hipstery yeah. uh, town in yes so Melbourne. yeah in in Please Like Me it's that they live in this like quite big share house with yes. like two guys who don't seem to really work I think well Tom you see him work in the first it's episode true. he That's has an about office it. job yeah, yeah but Josh doesn't seem to he's a student and then kind of gets his coffee cart and whatever but you know neither of them appear to be you know Rich. raking it in <laughs> but it's actually
0: explained it's, it's explained it's mm. Josh's dad's house and he basically lets them live there for free so and much more accurate and true to life Yeah, probably the case for anyone in josh's position is that their parents are funding it exactly exactly <laughs> and i also love that because we love josh mm. but he's very flawed and he's he's you know not the most responsible person mm. we all know a guy out there who doesn't really work just mm. plugs away he's yeah. got like a degree that he doesn't really go to yeah. the lectures for and yeah. it's a bit of a sh- you know he's just like get your shit together mate and yeah. his dad is like get your shit together mate yeah my dad's like that. Yeah, no. Get <laughs> on my back. Yeah. Leave alone. Very true to life. Very much so. Well, that's stereotypes, I think, because yep. I think there isn't really many. No, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty Cut good. One. Um, one. What do we think is – I mean, we know things are helpful. Everything in here is helpful, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. But in terms of mental illness, what about it do you think was helpful? I think the most thing, most helpful thing about
1: this show is that it is – objectively without a doubt a show about mental illness right like it is but at the same time it is also just objectively a show about life and about being a young person and about navigating relationships yes and that kind of thing and it's because those two things are the same thing these experiences are common they happen will, together. They happen together. We will all know people, and I think he did a really good job of including so many different portrayals of people with mental health problems um, or conditions, and it not feeling like it's not like they were trying to fill up every role with someone with that. It all felt extremely authentic and realistic. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. like, yeah, people probably do have about this many people in their life that have struggled with these things, yeah. and and there are people in the show that. Don't struggle with yes anything e- particularly exactly, and that's what I mean. It's sort of like a realistic, like yes, there's many, and mm. it's wonderful, and it's objectively about that, but at the same time, it's about life because that is yep. what life is like. Exactly,
0: yeah, a hundred percent. And each de- each depiction of mental illness in the show is varied. There's yep. different ones. There's the same but they look different as well it's different processes mental health processes different processes of grief yeah there's no beginning and middle and end Mm. of those experiences too it's one person's journey here and another person's journey there um for some there's an end but for many there isn't yeah it's an ongoing journey yeah and you don't get that um kind of icky like triumphant overcoming no none of that (laughs) it really subverts all mental illness tropes yes it does and like I said, um, we, in terms of suicide, Josh went to the real trouble of not showing a suicide note, not showing the act itself. You do see her cold corpse on a morgue, which is quite un, you know, unpleasant to look at. Mm. Um, he really wanted it to not look fantastical or like you get some sort of redemption from suicide or, or glorified in any way, mm. and I think you really nailed that agreed we've talked about how it's really helpful for abortions and there were a lot of articles there that said it was really a helpful depiction of abortion mm-hmm. the actress who played claire um caitlin stacy is really proud of of that depiction as well and, and she's she talked about be. her own de- abortion mm-hmm. just really good i've been trying to ask the question at the end of helpful versus harmful is who is it for mm. and i feel like this show is really for everyone like it Great. Josh didn't set it out for a particular audience mm. in mind. He just wanted to portray some things. Yeah. Whereas where some things we're like this is for the disabled community or mental, mentally ill community, this mm. is for the neurotypical community. I think everyone can take something from that. Agreed. Agreed. It is for everyone. It's for human beings. <laughs> for human beings, yeah. Because it's really about how Josh responds to a lot of things which everybody can relate to. Absolutely. Is there anything harmful in this show? Look, I think the
1: one thing about this show is that the characters are not always likeable. Yes. Um, Sometimes they're yeah. terrible. And, and I struggle with deciding whether that is harmful or whether that is just realistic, realistic yeah. like yeah they're not always likable but that's a lot of kind my of... favorite shows
0: are really unlikable characters exactly exactly yeah. like some people are great sometimes and shit other times like i think what makes it hard in this one is it's so relatable and mm. we see ourselves in a lot of these characters mm. so that when they say something inappropriate it's like oh no 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 <laughs> for example tom I think someone uses the R word at one point. I think maybe it was Josh. I think I do remember that. Yes. And we don't. That's not good. don't do that. Uh, No, we don't do that. uh, There's, yeah, there's a bit of badly aged ableism in it in some ways. Like Josh goes on a bit bit of a random rant about how he really thinks he could date someone who's disabled. I
1: think like, yeah, that's one of those things though that I'm like, even at the time. Mm, I think it was like episode one. Yeah, yeah, but even even then I feel like, sure, weren't we meant to dislike that? Like, yeah. weren't we meant to be like, oh, what an obnoxious person? Yeah. Like, maybe I'm just seeing that through my own lens, but for me, you know, some of, the, like, saying things like that, I, I was just like,
0: oh, God, like, <laughs> an idiot kind <laughs> I, of and thing. And that, you know, if I had seen that, maybe I did catch a bit of the show and it was that sort of early on, I was like, Bleh. yeah, Yeah, um, fair enough. <laughs> it also, now seeing the whole show, it's kind of Josh in his early stages where he hasn't grown. Mm-hmm. so. Josh who hasn't grown probably would say something like that. Probably. We know people who probably has said something like that, who are now better people than they were in their early twenties or whatever. (laughs) Some of them aren't. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them have not changed. So there's there's also a scene where he goes on a
1: date with a First Nations person and it's extremely uncomfortable. (laughs) He's, He's really Weird. Like, yeah. Like, I think he's doing that thing of trying to be, like, the good white man of highlighting how terrible and racist people are,
0: but yeah. actually you're it, just kind it of comes making across w- You're making it so uncomfortable for everyone. And making it more of a thing. You're making it about you. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. how
1: good you are for not being racist. Yeah, look like, at us
0: not being racist. I'm yeah. dating you. You're, yeah. you're all black. Yeah. yeah. I do feel
1: the same about that scene, though, that I'm like, I don't think he wrote that because he was like, look how good I am, I'm not racist. It was supposed to make you uncomfortable. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs>
0: and I think it was trying to highlight casual racism yeah. like you know it's a conversation about you know this is what people or uh, first nations get yeah. even from people who call themselves like progressive and yeah, yeah allies yeah. Um, but it still makes me feel yucky <laughs> <Yeah>. agreed <laughs> and Tom the character is just a bit of a misogynist and treats women a bit badly he is like Neve. Yeah. yeah she was so badly treated I really dislike her. Though.
1: Like I really find her awful. But I feel like
0: she's the, the probably the only characteristic character in that in the show. Do you think because I think I think she's, she's like the crazy ex girlfriend. I know, but
1: I think she makes me cringe so much because I've known girls like her. Yeah, I don't think she is a caricature of
0: women like she's I mean, not meant to represent everyone she must I, represent someone in josh and tom's life because yes this and, is and all, i think i know the same person
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so i really disliked her but i agree she is treated terribly tom is not good to any of the women no, in his he's life not good to any of them. even if we put aside the one i don't like um he's not good to any of them mm. and and it's terrible and
0: i think we're meant to dislike him a little bit yeah sometimes. we're meant to think he's a bit of a shit yeah Um, I just the storyline where she pretends that she's pregnant well she you know she isn't really pregnant but she says she's pregnant yeah just seems a bit crazy girl trope yeah I didn't like it made me feel a bit yuck I think yeah that's fair they're also quite mean to Jenny the younger one as well which I didn't love no that
1: is mean I yeah (laughs) I don't want to just defend every point I agree (laughs) they are mean and it's really uncomfortable but I think, like, scenes like that are sort of meant to act as an opportunity for us to, like, understand the dynamics that are going on in the relationship. Yeah. Like, Tom and Claire in particular are clearly, like, bullying her and kind of ousting her because they are secretly in love with one another yeah. and they're not doing it on purpose or knowingly. Like, they don't know what the other is doing, but Claire clearly gets defensive because she's still in love with Tom and yeah. is a bit mean to Jenny on yeah. purpose and Tom goes along with it because he's a shit yeah, and he's and always going to be in love with Claire. Yeah, exactly. And it's uncomfortable and I think... I think it's me- I think it's meant to be. I think yeah. we're me- I don't think we're meant to side with them. I
0: think we're meant to side with Jenny. yeah. We're meant to yeah. And and Jenny, I like her as a character. Same. Same. Um, I also just think the joke itself hasn't aged well. Like she, we can see her wings. Yeah. Like back then, I probably would have got laughed. Yeah. But now it's like pad humor. Get yeah, fucked. Yeah. Like period. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. we all have periods. Yeah. Get, li- yeah. It's get true. over it. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask is, could the show? have been better if Rose had recovered and hadn't suicided? Uh, and when I say recovered, like, in the show, yeah. because recovery doesn't just happen, it's, it's a journey. journey. Yeah. What do you think?
1: I think, for me, no. Like, I think they could have made the choice, definitely, to have her... Um, in not an icky way, like not have like a triumphant recovery where now everything's great and she meets a new man and gets remarried and her life is wonderful for the you know rest of time. They could have done that. That would have been awful. I don't think Josh would have ever done that. No. They could have gone somewhere in between where we leave her in a space where she is kind of her normal self. Mm. She's having normal everyday struggles. Her mm. and Josh have their funny little relationship going on. And we could have left them there, but I think for me it would have lost a lot of – like I said, when I think about the show, I think about that event of her yeah. dying and that is that is the thing that, like, sticks with me yeah. and had such a huge impact, impact on me. I love the whole show, don't get me wrong. It's not like it's a slog to get to that point, but I think that some of the nuance around grief and loss that they showed and around suicide in particular that they showed because of Rose's death, it would have been tragic to lose that.
0: Yeah, it was really important storytelling – in the world we live in Mm. and for for people to see themselves in that Mm. and for as a piece of cinema but also as a piece of education almost absolutely I think yeah if it wasn't if that hadn't been the way it ended would have lost a little bit of that
1: agreed a lot would have lost some of the
0: heart as much as
1: yet there's so many things along the way that are so wonderfully done and so impactful Mm. I I just do think we would have lost a lot by not having
0: yeah that part included I agree and Josh actually says he always struggles with people who are like what if she gets better but that as a storyline is so difficult to tell on television because it's so messy and nuanced and it takes years you don't get a triumphant moment where somebody who's bipolar or depressed is suddenly better and that's correct so you know it's good that he thought that through as well and Mm. I think he made the right choice. Well, should we go through our final scores before they kick us out? Let's. <laughs> so uh, lived experience, do we think it gets a big tick? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think agree. so. I mean, he wrote about his own I life. I mean, so. he couldn't get more lived experience. Can't really argue really. with that. <laughs> Um accuracy I don't think I've got anything negative to say about accuracy I don't think so I think it's other than maybe the panic attack but I yeah, don't but think that's, that warrants I reckon that's the, the actors problem <laughs> <laughs> um yes. yes I would agree some people might disagree with me too uh, stereotypes I think I don't think there's anything problematic. No, not at all. I don't no. think so. Big tick. Big tick. Helpful versus harmful. I think terribly harmful. Oh, so <laughs> don't watch the show. Don't watch it five times. No, and definitely be not. able to quote it verbatim. <laughs> I think this gets full marks. I think so. How I can't. Beautiful. I can't think
1: of anything that it should be punished for. No, and I think if I did, it would like.
0: Be so minuscule. I know. In comparison to all of the helpful, like a couple and of things. lines that I don't like. You know, exactly. It, yeah, it can't be perfect. Yeah, like maybe the like psych, the psychologist. It's an unhealthy it's relationship. True.
1: But they do exist. Is it inaccurate? I don't know. Maybe yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Pa- so. Particularly
0: when it's that sort of severe clinical situation. Maybe that is what happens yeah. for some. But you know, not how I would do my practice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well thank you so much for joining me today elise thank you for having me i need to tell all the audience too we're now going to go see uh jonathan van ness we are in the city so and have some tasty dinner it's going to be great it'll be wonderful and hopefully my laptop uh keeps this recording this whole time <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> thanks so much thank you bye bye This podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive, or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener. For a longer version of this disclaimer, please check the episode notes on your podcast app.